Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I am your co-host, Kieran Lefebvre. I'm a white belt under the great and powerful Adam Charles. That would be me, minus the powerful. I've never I've never been called powerful before, but I'll take it. Your jiu-jitsu is pretty powerful. No, I often get my jiu-jitsu often gets complimented with the whole, you've got really long legs. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> we sp- I think we've we spoke about that. It's think 30 we- seconds in and we've already hit a nerve. I think we spoke about that. Yeah, but we you, did, yes. you get, yeah, the, you get the whole like, oh man, you're so strong. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was banter from a previous episode. Speaking uh, of previous episodes, if you didn't catch our last episode, episode number 14. 14 we- it was. Yeah, yeah, we spoke all about technical mistakes. Specifically from lower belts. Yeah, yeah. lower belt. The, the five most common technical mistakes that, that Adam has seen uh, for lower belts. But today's episode, what are we talking about, Adam? Bro, we're going to uh, hear a little bit about the old Kieran Lefebvre. That would be you, where you've come from, how you got from the womb to here. Yeah, so this <laughs> podcast starts back in 1995. It's yeah. a cold Friday morning. No, we're going to... Um, you know, we, we did a few episodes back. Uh, I can actually tell you what episode it was. What was it? Six. Uh, seven. Come on, bro. Oh. <laughs> we did uh, a little bit about my time in Brazil and not, not like my origin story as in my life story, but a little bit about my trip to Brazil. But we're going to find a little and bit. By trip, it means five years. My five years yeah. in Brazil, yeah. But we're going to talk a little bit more about your history, bro. So my trip to Brazil. You're here. <laughs> I've never been to Brazil. But you know, when when we at the start of each episode and we introduce ourselves and mm. whatever, you often just say, Oh, I'm a white belt and this, and I kind of have to always say, No, nah, man, you're more than that. You do, yeah. you know, ex-bodybuilder, nutritionist, you were in the Navy, uh, personal trainer, videographer, a lot of stuff. You know, obviously it all didn't happen at once. I thought you were about to say, obviously it all didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yet to be decided. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Where's this Podcaster. Going? Yeah. Oh, mm. um, Speaking of, join our Patreon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good plug. Good segue. Ken. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I just want to, well, not only the listeners, give the listeners a chance to find out a bit more about you, but there's things that I know just from our time together, but there's mm. actually lots of stuff I don't know and things that I'm generally interested in and I find entertaining, such as, you know, bodybuilding or anything exercise related yeah. things in the yeah. Navy. I, I find quite interesting, not because I'm a military person, but it's just, you know, the military in general has really um, like progressive technologies and things like that, that I find interesting. Mm. So I want to hear a little bit about that. So I don't need to know about your childhood because I hate kids, No, <laughs> <laughs> but let's just go back to what I think is probably the first thing in 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 the relevant timeline, which mm. would be you joining the Navy, yeah. I assume. So um, how old were you when you joined the Navy and why did you join the Navy? Like uh, do you come from a military family or? No, no, yeah, that, good questions. So um, I joined the Navy when I was, I think just turned 20. I was just turned 20 years old and it was in 2015. I was in the mid-year intake. I joined, first of all, what I was in the Navy, as I joined as a maritime warfare officer. Is that what you like from the beginning? Yes. You applied as that position or? Just to to rewind a little bit. I did apply for that position. Yes. But to to rewind 
the reason I joined or wanted to join the Navy is because from a very young age, I always wanted to join the ADF. But originally, like a lot of young kids, I wanted to be an army soldier. I wanted to be in the infantry. And I- Who wants that? Well, <laughs> as a, I'm, I'm talking like eight years G. old. G.I. Joe, yeah, American hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like very, very young age, I had um, a cousin of mine who uh, is in the infantry. He- I think just got back from his first tour of Iraq or something. And I thought he was the, the coolest guy on the planet earth. And he influenced me a lot. And I wanted to be you know, just like, just like my hero at the age of like eight years old. Um, so I, I never grew out of that phase. I always wanted to join the, the army, but as I, he, he very much influenced me down the direction of becoming an officer. He was, uh, he was enlisted, but so he wasn't an officer, but his his advice to me, um, was definitely go go the officer route. And ironically, when I went to join, the first interview that you do is called a U session. Your opportunity is unlimited. It's a bit quirky, but it's called a U session, a uh, good acronym. And he did that interview for me. So he was my first recruitment interview, and uh, which, which helped significantly. Yeah, right. However, when I got to the age of doing that, I was about 16, because that's the age you're allowed to do the interview, but you're not allowed to join until 17. Um, I... I realized through my own research that I actually wanted to be a clearance diver and you can't be a clearance diver in the army. So it's kind of like, and anyone that's in the Navy that's listening to this will probably cringe, but think about for the uninitiated, being a clearance diver in the Navy is kind of like being infantry. They think they're, they, they, there's a bad uh, attitude amongst some clearance divers. Don't get me wrong. They're not all like this, but some of them, a little bit egotistic and think they're special forces, but think about it like infantry for the Navy, but it's, it's diving. So they, so just coming back a little bit. Yeah. First, when you said that you're, you were advised to go the officer route. Yeah. Officer meaning that you're not someone commissioned, commissioned officer. Yeah. No, so, no, but hang on. I'm a bit confused. What's the difference between like an officer and an infantryman? Like, you know, is uh, officer essentially just means you're the boss of the well, infantry. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. uh, uh, yes. That okay. essentially is what it means. So you have different you have different rank structure. If we're talking about Navy, because I'll try and keep it around Navy because that's my experience. If you're enlisted in the Navy, you're a sailor. If you're commissioned in the Navy, you're a commissioned officer. So there's different ranks. Right. So if you join as a midshipman, you automatically outrank the highest ranking sailor by default. Doesn't mean that in reality you're respected more than them, but not not by any means. But technically, you outrank them. So what you're saying is you're still getting cucumbered. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Cucumber sandwiches, you mean? Uh, anyway, um, uh, what there was a uh, rubber chicken. Rubber chicken. Yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah, 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 rubber chicken. Was, uh, we won't. We won't go into yourself that. and Zach are also uh, ex. Navy sailor. Or yeah, I'm not Zach, sure what his position Zach was. Zach was a bosun's mate. He was a sailor. Um, but yeah, Zach my, being my business partner in videography. But circling back, the reason I went Navy is because I wanted to be a clearance diver and so I needed to join the Navy. So I wanted to be an MCDO, which is a, a clearance diving officer effectively. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I went the, the Navy route over Army. And now obviously on... Well, maybe not obviously for those listening, but you're no longer in the Navy. You yeah. left earlier this, only this year, right? <clears throat> you left. Yeah, a few, like a month ago now. I, I mean, mean. I, I know there's still some technicalities 
uh, like whether you're in the reserves or, yeah, yeah. or whatnot, or you can still be called back if yeah. there's a war and things so like I'm, that. So I'm technically in the active reserves for a minimum of 12 months. Uh, if I don't serve a certain amount of days in the active reserve, then I'll default to a step down to an inactive reserve for three years. And if I don't serve at all to change to active reserve, then I'm officially out. Do you intend to? to no. No, like I, when I discharged, I said that I was going to. Um, to you Just because it's what you're supposed to say? Well, no, not necessarily, but it, it just makes it the process easier to do active reserves if you choose to. So right. if, if I said to them, no, I don't want to do it, then it would be harder to take like one or two more steps of administration and what have you to then do active reserve days. And I mean, I haven't ruled it out completely, but I'm not planning to, but the option is there. Right. Cool. And then, so talking about the, once you join the Navy, just bringing it back a little bit more to being fitness orientated, obviously that's what we talk about, mm. jujitsu and all those that sort of stuff on our episodes. Anyone who hasn't been in the military, our under such as myself, mm. our understanding of what the regime, the the workout, the exercise regime is like in the military, is only what we see in movies. Yeah, which often isn't isn't true, or the yep. odd documentary, unless you know someone who's been who's been there, done that. Yeah, you have no idea. What was your experience and what is your opinion of the sort of fitness regime they do? And uh, before answering that, were you already a bit of a fitness buff before you joined the Navy? Because if you had sort of no knowledge of working out and fitness, then I guess your opinion would be different to if you went in already being someone who was quite fit and knew you enjoyed bodybuilding and all that. Mm. What are your thoughts on the way that they train uh, you know, soldiers or or clearance divers or whatever mm. in well, the military. Just to be clear, I I never I never was a clearance diver. I never um I never did selection or anything like that. I failed my dive medical, and that's a big part of the reason why I left. It got to the bit where they were like, "Okay, oh, right now you got to swim," and you're like, "Swim." <laughs> <laughs> they didn't tell me about that. <laughs> I just signed up for this. No, I actually I failed my um. They, they do a lung assessment and I failed that. So I, I did I cannot medically be a clearance diver and that is the biggest, one of the biggest reasons why I left the Navy is because I joined to do a job and I was unable to do that job. It's right. kind of like if you joined to do a pilot and you fail your, your pilot medical, but then they make you do something else or whatever. Or like a doctor who becomes a vet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly. It's like... Yeah, ridiculous. Anyway, so back to the question. I'm gonna I'm gonna be very controversial here, and I'm I'm not gonna pull any punches. The perception that the the wider public has, and I can only speak to Navy. I'm not gonna talk about Army or Air Force at all because I have zero experience being in those services. The perception people have of the Navy in terms of fitness and the reality are two completely different things. I I can count on maybe two hands, the amount of people in the Navy that I consider to be pretty fit. Yeah, really? And I know a lot of people in the Navy. There is a lot of overweight, lazy people in terms of fitness. Now, don't get me wrong. They do a hard job. They, they sacrifice a lot. They sign, the, they sign the dotted line to say they'll give their life for the country. And, and, and I did that as well. And I respect them completely for that. I'm not taking away from their service, but in terms of fitness, like not many people in the Navy um, are fit. Is it kind of like when you see uh, like an overweight 
police officer yeah. and you're like, you're never going to catch me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like if I run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Is that due to, yeah, I mean, we're not going to compare with the Army and the Air Force. Mm. As you said, you have zero experience. Yeah, I'm not Just I'm from not your gonna, knowledge. I'm not going to open myself up to that. <laughs> yeah, 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 because you've got too many connections who might oh, yeah. come after you. I'm, I know that there's going to be Navy people listening to this that, you know, know me or whatever, and they're probably going to be – some of them may be agreeing, some of them may be offended or whatever because, um, you know, it, it, honestly there's – is like I'm not even I'm not even coming at it from like a position of like you know an elitist where I you know have a bodybuilding background I'm, I consider myself fairly fit um, but man like the perception that the, the the world has or like Australia has and the reality they're just chalk and cheese right. like the, the fitness standards are so low like so low and does that in is that because you know, are the fitness standards low in terms of whatever physical or whatnot that you that you're doing? Yeah. Any training you're doing is just a cakewalk, or are they yeah. low because you know the the exercises and the routines you're supposed to do are difficult, but they don't care whether people can do them or not. So let me just shed some light on the mandatory fitness that you have to do, like week to week, right? So if there's there's two very distinct places you can be or categories of postings you can have in the in the Australian Navy. One is referred to as a shore posting where you're posted ashore, meaning you're not seagoing. And the other is the opposite of that, seagoing posting mm-hmm. where you are at sea. Now there is actually, depending on your where you're posted as in your base and your command team, the people in charge of that base, depends on whether you have to do PT or not, mandatory PT. If you're under training, then you have to do mandatory PT. So when you join the Navy, if anyone out there wants to join, this is what you can expect in terms of fitness requirements. Uh, Just about every morning, you'll do early morning PT. So it's called EMA, early morning activities. And you're forced to do PT on a certain certain amount of days, certain amount of times throughout the week. And it's, it's quite a lot. It's quite a decent amount. There are about 45 minute sessions, an hour, including like travel time and everything like that to the the gym or whatever you're doing. And the PTIs do a fantastic job in recruiting. However, after you graduate from recruiting and you graduate from your initial employment training, so you you do your, in terms of an officer, you do you join, you do six months of training, then you leave and do your specialty training. And that's still considered under training. And the training process is a long time. So throughout that process, throughout that time, you have, you have to attend PT. However, once you graduate from that and you're considered qualified, the, the amount of uh, required PT pretty much comes to zero. For example, in but, my- But during that mandatory PT, are yeah. they, you know, they're, they're decent workouts? Well, they are, but the, the thing is, it, you only get out what you put in. Yeah, so right. it's, it's a circuit-based training. Like do you a have lot someone there? Do you have and, someone there yelling at yeah, you? Yeah, you like, have a Come PTR. on, you maggot! Yeah, so <laughs> they're not. You know that. Yes, yes, and yes, and no. So it's called PTI. It's a physical training instructor. So PTIs exist in the Army, Navy, and Air Force, and they they used to have um, joint training, I believe. I don't know if they still do. Um, I know I do have PTI friends out there, and if they're listening, they'll probably promptly um, correct me here, but. Yes, we have PTIs and they're very well trained. They go under uh, 12 months of training and they come out of it with the equivalent of like a Cert 4 or maybe a diploma in in, in, fitness. in fitness. They don't actually get the, the civilian tickets, but that's neither here nor there. It was, uh, 
that's reminded me that one of our one of my other students who you know, uh, Adam, mm-hmm. who was also in the Navy, who was a clearance diver actually. Yes. Uh, you guys don't get along because you're super jealous that he was a clearance and diver. I, and I couldn't make it because no. that wasn't good enough. <laughs> but he was telling me something a few months back. It was after a, a competition. A ju- mm. Here we go, back to jiu-jitsu finally. Uh, a jiu-jitsu competition where I came into the gym on the Monday after the, the weekend comp and yeah. my voice was gone because I was there and I think I was 12 or 14 hours coaching everyone. And it was during not a lockdown, but obviously the whole COVID thing. And so you could only have have one coach per team. So for pretty much 12 hours, I permanently had at least one student competing. So I was yelling the whole time. And then he told me that for me to look up this thing called, I think he called it frog voice Mm. or something that he said – uh, PTIs or, or drill sergeants or whatever, yeah. they learn this way of of essentially yelling so they can yell all day without yeah. you losing their voice, you know. And when you think about it, your your vocal cords are a muscle, right? The same way that the singers train their their vocals like a muscle, you know, these PTIs or drill sergeants would learn the, the technique to use this frog voice, if that's what it's called. I believe he called it frog voice. And yeah, a way to, to essentially yell all day without losing your voice. And he was like, man, he's, I'm not messing around. You should uh, have a Google of frog voice because that may help you when you're there coaching that you yeah. can yell all day and not lose your voice. There you go. It's the first time I'm hearing of it. Like I, I do know there are techniques, but I mean, I don't, I never had to do any yelling in the Navy. <laughs> you were just copping the yelling. No, I had <laughs> people to do the yelling for me. I had people for, the, no, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm joking. <laughs> but yeah, so like honestly, man, when I when I first joined the the Navy, I thought that the fitness requirements were going to be tough. So I trained my ass off to join the Navy. I I, w- I hired a personal trainer. I was doing cardio. I was doing strength endurance. I was training like, almost like I was training for a selection. And I got there and I lost fitness. In the first six weeks yeah, of me right. being in the Navy, I, I got but- slower. I got weaker. I lost fitness. I lost cardio fitness because I was – reduced to the what we were doing the the pt we're doing is was designed to fit the everyone of course to put it in context when i first joined in our first week i think on our second or third day we had to do a mandatory fitness test that everyone in the navy must pass so everyone in the navy to stay in the navy you must pass an annual fitness test Mm. the requirements are quite low for, for context, the requirements for a man is to do 30 cadence push-ups. You need to uh, pass like a seven something on a beat test, which is not that hard. A seven is super easy. It's like 7.6 or something. It's super, super easy. And, and this is meant to be minimum effort. It's not meant to be max effort. Or you need to run like a 2.4 in less than 13 minutes, 2.4 kilometers in less than uh, 13 minutes, which is, again, not difficult. And uh, your sit-up requirement, I can't even remember. Like it's feet held 30 sit-ups or something super ridiculously easy. When I first joined, yep, day three, everyone did the the fitness test and we had like 12 to 15 people or even probably even more people fail. Yeah, right. They failed the minimum requirement fitness test in the first week. Yeah, I mean I can understand if you're someone who's gone from – doing zero exercise that you could, well, you could fail an easier test than that. Yeah. But if you're, you would you're assume. you joining the Navy as an officer. Yeah. You and would you think. fail. 
<laughs> like we had a significant but amount. Sh- surely there's divisions of the the military or the navy that are way tougher. Like I don't know what yes, the being a clearance <laughs> diver has like harder requirements. Is so the, is a clearance diver higher? Is a clearance diver the Australian equivalent of like a Navy no. SEAL? No, they think they are, but they're, they're not, no. Because <laughs> Na- no, I believe up, no. Navy SEALs are quite elite, right? <laughs> they In are the special US. forces. So clearance divers are not special forces. What uh, would be the equivalent of a Navy SEAL? Or do we not have that? Yeah, no, we In have. Australia? Um, SAS. SAS, Yeah, right. Special Air Service. So that would be- Or commandos. Two commando um, out of the Army. Army has an SF contingent called uh, Two Commando. And the Air Force has one called SAS. But the, the the elite of the elite is the SAS. Do they then get into quite tough physical? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah it's right. it's they are way fitter than I'll ever be. Like yeah, right. the, the special forces guys, I would need to train my ass off for six months to get to their their standard. But that's what I'm saying. The when people see the military, they think of what they've seen on TV. What they see on TV is special forces because right. that shit's cool. Right. However, the reality of the everyday person in the in the navy is completely different. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So in summary, when you join, you just chump fitness. But if you go into special forces, special forces, then that's quite elite yes. level stuff. Yeah. Which is where, where I wanted to join um, clearance divers, and then I wanted to uh, try out for tag. Which is Adam, the person that trains at our gym that you were just talking about. He was in tag. What is TAG? Tactical Assault Group. So that is- Is that on its way to Special Forces? That is Special Forces. Oh, okay. Yes. So Adam, TAG was established um, shortly thereafter 9-11 and it was our counter-terrorism uh, unit. So think SAS, like deploy overseas, think TAG internal. Same thing, but internal. So their training is different, their equipment is specialized and they have different contingents as members of TAG. So we have TAG East and TAG West. I believe these days Tag East is very much in-house, uh, like uh, counter-terrorism on the, the East Coast sort of in Australia and West goes more external. I'm not, again, I'm I'm not quite sure. Um, I my, my knowledge of Tag is very surface level, but um, Adzi, the, the guy you are mentioning, he was one of the first members of Tag, which is, which is quite awesome. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. But, but yeah, he's no longer in the, no. in the Navy. He now sells weapons of mass destruction and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so then how did you go from just moving a little bit away from the Navy? I personally could probably sit here and talk a long time about the Navy. Again, not because I'm a military person, but I just, you know, just it's an interesting, interesting subject. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. But just keeping it a bit more around the the fitness uh, side of things. So then when, when did bodybuilding come in? We've briefly mentioned in lots of introductions that you used to be a competitive bodybuilder. Yeah. Uh, there's different types of bodybuilding. There's yep. natural bodybuilding. There's whatever the other categories are called. I'm real bodybuilding. Real bodybuilding. <laughs> I know there's a uh, juicy bodybuilding, <laughs> juicy bodybuilding. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's different categories. Yep. So how did, where did bodybuilding come into it? So I, I wanted to, try my hand at bodybuilding again. Like I'd started really working out at when I left high school, I was about 18. And that's when I started to go to the gym. I was a gym rat, went like every every day uh, and always been interested in fitness from that, from that moment on in my life. And I got to a point where I, I considered trying bodybuilding more so for the nutrition side of house. I really wanted to dial in my nutrition because I realized that okay, I can spend two hours at the gym every like every day or six days a week. However, the real thing that I'm missing is 
a solid knowledge in nutrition. So I wanted to try bodybuilding to dial in that nutrition and, and see where it could take me. And I was actually influenced by someone that I met in the Navy that then directed me or, or made the connection to me and Zach, my business partner. So that's where I first met Zach. He was my nutrition coach for bodybuilding. He was my bodybuilding really? coach. Yes. Oh, I didn't that's, know that. That's how I met him. He was uh, – when – when I was introduced Because if you look at Zach now, he just looks like a chump. Yeah, he's a bad boy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, straight up, Zach, sort your shit out. No, he's <laughs> no, Zach's a dude. Uh, take, I take it back, Zach's Zach. a dude. I take, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, the, and the person that links sorry, us Sorry, so just before we move on, is Zach, because I know that you're a, a certified nutritionist, is Zach as well? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. he's got his nutrition qualifications. He... Um, he, I'm pretty sure he ended up getting some bodybuilding nutrition specific um, qualifications on top of that. So yeah, so he was, when he left the Navy, he left to be a full-time bodybuilding prep coach. Okay. So he, he would prep uh, bikini athletes, uh, amateur athletes like myself in natural bodybuilding. Because I know bodybuilders have have to follow super strict nutrition yeah. plans. Yep. Uh, obviously, because when they're in training, they're depending on their category and whatever, they're trying to build muscle mm -hmm. and whatnot. And then for competition, bodybuilders are trying to get super shredded. Yeah. Like so – like so dry yep. essentially the lowest i got according to a body scan that i had was like just over five percent body fat jesus yeah that's the leanest i've ever been on paper was was just over five percent and did you have any were there any bodybuilders you know you said you got into it mainly for the nutrition side of yeah things, i just wanted but, to level up yeah but were there were you inspired by other bodybuilders? I mean, there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a, you know. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to an extent, yeah, like the the, the real big names back when I was competing um, in 2017, it was uh, Phil Heath was still, uh, he was on the decline, but he was still on Phil top. Phil Heath, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the guy who would always battle with Kai, Kai Green. Kai Green, yeah, yeah. So it's always Phil Heath versus Kai Green. Kai was never able to beat Phil, uh, but you know, particularly their last competition together, that was a point of contention. Um, I think I saw a documentary on that and – and uh, Yes, you would have. It was a bit kind of controversial. Was it, was it – um, it's not Pumping Iron, it's the Generation Iron 2. Yes, yeah, yes, that's yeah. it, yeah. Very good, very good. But they're good. definitely Kai. not natural bodybuilders. No, 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 and they're, they're, they're not even pretending to be. Like you no, can't, not at, at all. At that level, you, they don't openly talk about it because of sponsorships and everything like that. They don't want to be – openly publicizing that they are taking illegal substances. So whenever they ask, if they're cornered into it, they'll either avoid the question or say no, because it's their livelihood. But there's, it's it's not like they're pretending to be natural. Yeah. It, there's a big Whereas difference. you just did natural. Yeah, I did natural. So I was in a tested federation. It's called ICN. I compete natural. Apparently there's still, there, there, there will always be people that cheat. You know, if you, sure. you could take a cycle for like three years and then cycle off just for the competition. But I mean, they're few and far between when it comes to my level of competition. I suppose the the elite level of ICN, yeah, you could argue that none of them are natural. If they're not taking something, they're taking like steroids. Um, they're taking something called SARMs. Uh, I've so never heard of SARMs. SARMs are selective androgen response modulators. They're effectively, think of them like a blend between peptides and low-dose steroids. Yeah, right. Is it in, in injectable as well? Um, I No, so they're orally consumed, SARMs. So they're basically experimental drugs that they developed to help treat muscle 
degeneration diseases and they're very effective. Right. But their long-term effects and their side effects, you, you do have side effects when you consume psalms and the long-term effects aren't fully understood. Right. And there's a plethora of psalms. They're so easy to get. Is like it, literally are they really? In, because it's, type I've, in psalms on the internet and you can get them delivered to your door. Really? Yep. Easily. Yeah, right. Because I've never, I mean, I've taken types of steroids. Of steroids. <laughs> no, I have, but they've been, you know, medical steroids yeah. to recover from uh, like my knee surgeries. Yeah, I yeah. had trouble completely recovering. Yeah. You know, yeah, so completely different, right? Um, my mum my has chronic rheumatoid arthritis, so mm. she takes certain type of steroids, mm. you know, different steroids. Steroids so are very like broad term. Is a broad term, Very right? broad. So I've never uh, proactively looked at how to get steroids, but while I was yeah. living in Brazil – I remember it's so easy. Like you yep. could get steroids pretty much from yeah. everyone. And yeah. I'm guessing it's very similar in the US. It's very easy here. Like you really? Could, yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, Bitcoin. You, all you need is cryptocurrency and you go online. Yeah, there's, you, you always carry a certain amount of risk. But the days of like having to know someone that knows someone that, you know, cooks up the, the roids in their like uncle's basement, they're long gone. This is They now have full scale professional operations. Yeah, they get shut down every now and then. However, it's still to this day, if you know how to buy crypto, which is getting, you know, as easy as it's ever been, then you can buy steroids as in testosterone, as in uh, a whole bunch of other like clenbuterol, orally consumed steroids, like so many different things online. Um, you know, it's super easy. It's the same with Psalms and you don't even need crypto with Psalms. You just, you just buy them because it says on the, the, the whole reason they can get away with selling things like Psalms specifically is because they're for research purposes, not for human consumption. That's how they get away. It's that easy, bro. I'm going up a weight division. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, it is. It is quite easy. Yeah. I mean, like you said though, the, the long-term side effects are potentially not known or potentially catastrophic. They have similar side effects uh, to taking testosterone, but like, if, imagine if you're taking testosterone, injecting testosterone, but a very low dose, that's the similar side effects of Psalms. So you can get some natural testosterone shutdown. Um, yeah, so it's, it's not something you want to fuck around with, particularly if you're under the age of like 30, 35. It's not something you want to fuck around with, in my opinion. Well, while, while we're on the subject, how, when you were competing, did you ever go down the route of- No, personally, I never-, I never got on steroids or anything like that. I was why, in the why Navy. are you winking at me right now? I'm not winking. We, we literally have a video recording. You cannot hoodwink me now. If you're watching this on YouTube, you know Adam is full of shit. There was no winking. My eyes were open. <laughs> you fuck. Um, yeah, so no, I was in the Navy. Even if I even if I wanted to, uh, we the Navy, this is actually kind of funny. The Navy do get tested for steroids every now and then but it's normally targeted tested navy members why why do i mean people in the navy take steroids there's some people that take roids and it's against the policy so is it just it's just for the sake of of catch you know of saying oh you're not allowed to do this so we're going to test you yeah yeah so there was now this story do they uh, also do just uh drug random drug tests for for weed and whatever else yeah yeah yeah. So when you join the Navy, you have to do a piss test and they, they dip it for, um, I think mostly just marijuana and, um, you know, some amphetamines and things like that, yep. like a standard test, but they do, there is a requirement to test, I think 10% or 20% of all Navy personnel every year. And we have, uh, we have a category of sailors called, um, coxswains, 
where That's they, a terrible name. They're police coxswains. So they're naval police coxswains. They're, it's like a traditional naval term. Uh, they are literally like our Navy police and they run drug tests, they run breath tests, so all of that. Like even, even radar guns on base, things that you would assume that the police do, that's what our naval police coxswains do. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you can be arrested in the Navy by Navy police. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess you would any when you're at sea, you would have at least one of those yes. on board as well, right? Yep. Have you ever been on a sub? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've been, been on a submarine. Cool. I have submarines never, are pretty cool. I I've mean, the Australian dived. submarines are compared to what the US and that have are pretty tragic. You know, but, um, oh, I wouldn't say that. I, I think they, they serve a different purpose. Like we don't have nuclear subs, but th- I mean, without getting too nitty gritty. And again, I was not a submariner. So I'm talking very, uh, no pun intended, surface level knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have the <laughs> on the, on the audio? That was so good. Um, yeah, so very surface level, skimming the surface of, um, of my knowledge, but uh, our submarines are diesel subs, so they are much more quiet than nuclear submarines. Well, I thought it would have been the other way around. No, no, I no, didn't. no. But nuclear submarines are way faster. A nuclear and sub- can obviously stay submerged for way longer. Um, I think I'm not sure if they can. Yeah, they can. Yeah, because of snorkeling. Yes, yes, yeah, that's true. Well, don't 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 like the the current. US subs, when you say, oh, snorkeling is in. Yeah, so what a diesel sub, again, I hope I'm not fucking this up, but what a diesel submarine needs to do every uh, X amount, every X period, like classified, uh, they need to come to a certain depth that's considered snorkeling to vent uh, exhaust. Right, oh, okay. Charge batteries and, and things like that. Uh, so that's what they do. They come to a snorkel level, snorkel uh, depth. So they're not, they're not on the surface, but they're, they're technically detectable mm. think like periscope but it's it's yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. it's not a periscope yeah i get you. yeah whereas uh but the the biggest difference between uh f- well for a layman the biggest difference between a nuclear sub and a diesel sub not just their power generation but their how quiet they are and um their speed so a diesel sub is very slow a diesel submarine uh when it's dived can't go very fast now the exact speed of our subs is classified, yeah, classified and yeah. even i don't know that but the exact speed of a nuclear sub when submerged is faster than some skimmers, some uh, like ships, warships. They yeah, are wow. incredibly fast. But the downside of that is they're incredibly noisy. So they're very easy Is that easy because to find. A, a nuclear reactor is very noisy? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm not quite sure like the the exact engineering as to why, but all I understand is well, a- Kieran, I came here to hear you talk about nuclear physics <laughs> and if you're not going to deliver the goods, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, but the the, the funnily enough, um, the the reason that noise obviously is so important is because that's how you find. Oh, it's how they track each other. How you and find, find each other, yeah. And it's it's how helicopters are the biggest danger to submarines with a dipping sonar. So that's how they find submarines. Yeah, and I know that one of the, I forget the the what it's called, but the isn't the loudest noise generated from subs the little the air bubbles that come off the prop yeah right and they they explode at yep. something like the speed of sound actually or something yeah. right and yeah they, it's it's gas it's gas that it explodes yeah, um, it has a name i forget what it's called yeah i'm i'm forgetting as well i had to learn this um, in my training <laughs> wasn't there cavitation it's cavitation cavitation yep. that's it thank you wasn't there recently a we should have got jamie to google it 
Uh, pull it up, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me making a Joe Rogan reference. Oh, dear. I wasn't there recently, recently as in, in recent history, for all I know it was 10 years ago. Wasn't there some war games or something that was won because of an Australian yeah, sub that a essentially like sunk whatever battleship yep. in this war game? Yeah, there's a documentary on that uh, where they sent a film crew onto a RIMPAC. So RIMPAC is every two years uh, the biggest naval war games uh, they're expanding it to be more um involvement with shore troops now but the biggest naval war games in the world and it's hosted by the u.s navy uh out of um hawaii so pearl harbor and it's called RIMPAC. and on on one exercise at one RIMPAC, because there just so happened to be a film crew there an australian sub uh did very well in a particular war games uh, and beat the american side but i mean that happens every two years. There's, you know, it's always back and forth. When I, I went on, well, yeah, I mean, it's war games, right? So, I mean, yeah, I mean any particular it, exercise, it's, the odd, like, it's like doing specific training in jujitsu. Yeah. Just because so and so taps so and so, it's like, yeah, but you started on their back or something. They could have been you distracted know, or they could have that fucked particular up or exercise. Or, yeah. Yeah. The US could have started at a severe disadvantage. Yeah. I don't know. For right? example, when I was, when I was at RIMPAC uh, 2018, there, we, our entire, task group that I was in for the very one of the last war game serials we got our entire or half of our task group got sunk in air quotes by a Japanese frigate that just came through and just or destroy I think it was just came through and and just fucked us all up because we we weren't paying attention or whatever and just yeah like and then we just restart was it quite fun doing the war games it wasn't it wasn't Um, on my particular vessel that I was on I was on a very large ship I was on HMAS Adelaide a landing helicopter dock which think of it it kind of looks like an aircraft carrier but very very small aircraft carrier and it, it's the we have two of them uh, Adelaide and Canberra it's the ones with the big ramp on the front our biggest oh yeah our I see them warship. in Sydney all the time yeah so I I drove um HMAS Adelaide Lima 01 was our pennant number so there's Lima 01 is Adelaide, Lima 02 is Canberra. So I was on Adelaide and I absolutely love the amphibious operations because for, for me, I was driving the ship. Uh, that's what a mar- maritime warfare officer does. That's what an officer of the watch does, which was my role in the Navy. I physically drove the ship, like gave the orders to drive the ship, not on the helm, but like, you know, yeah, actually yeah. driving it. And um, yeah, so driving an amph- a potted ship, an amphibious ship was an absolute blast. I really loved it. The best time I ever had in the Navy was driving HMS Adelaide, hands down. And one of the best experiences I had on Adelaide was uh, on RIMPAC. So yeah, it was great. Do a lot of people who did your job and then leave the Navy Mm. go on to do jobs like drive cargo ships or cruise ships and things like that? Yeah, some do. However, or do the qualifications not transfer? They do, but only, only recently historically they never did. You had to go through the whole process again because the civilian sector didn't recognize our hours, um, having the con, as we call it, basically controlling the ship. So up until recently, they didn't recognize it. There was no crossover, but now there is. All you need to do is some ballasting uh, qualifications. You need to do some other civilian Ballasting being like the like ballasting ballast. tanks, like taking yeah, the water yeah. in and so out we, of the ship. In the, in, the, in the Navy, the officer of the watch doesn't have any understanding technically of ballast only very um you know surface level understanding of it we have engineers that take charge of that yeah however in the civilian sector the their equivalent their officer of the watch needs to have a a more robust understanding of ballasting and some other other things as well but we 
did we that not in, did that not interest you to potentially go that route? Did so it even enter your no, mind? No, the reason is they spend longer at sea and they get paid less money. Well, that sounds shit. Exactly. It's funny because it reminds me of this uh, girl I used to work with. I can't remember her name, but she was a a pilot in the Air Force, not a fighter pilot. She used to fly like the big. I don't know what the Australian equivalent like is. Yeah, like a, does Australia yeah. have Hercules? Yeah. yeah, so she used to fly those massive planes. Uh, she wanted to be a fighter pilot, but she said you get quite – I'm sure there's similar things in the Navy, but she said you get quite categorized as yes. to what you do. And she yep. essentially said you need to have that, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, that jock alpha male I'm a prick mentality to – be a fighter pilot that's uh, this is what okay. she told me yeah. you're looking at a skeptical face but hey you said at the start you weren't going to comment on the air force and army so yeah which move is along. Why I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not commenting I'm, I'm i'm commenting with body language maybe yeah. that was her way of saying maybe it's true yeah she couldn't cut it i don't know but anyway what i asked her why you know she didn't go into aviation when she left and she said man being a commercial pilot she said it's just like being a glorified bus driver yeah she said it sucks she goes, it's only the very uh, experienced, not experienced, but the people who have done it for decades who who get the domestic jobs. Yeah. So then when you don't have a domestic job, you've got an international job. And she goes, I don't want to live that life where I've yeah. got to fly all the way to Hong Kong and then yeah. sleep in a hotel and then fly. But, you know, she goes, yeah, why no. Why would you do it? You're yeah. paid. You, yeah. And the, the pay, like speaking in the naval sector as well, like they're a way long, like a lot of sailors – come to me as a divisional officer, a lot of sailors say, I want to leave. And they, you know, it's our job to counsel them on, you know, their plan and everything like that. And I have had sailors in the past say, yeah, I want to go into the merchant Navy. And then we, we look at it together. We say, okay, these are the qualifi qualifications you need to have. This is where you end up. And this is your pay. This is your starting pay. It's pretty public knowledge. And let's map that against your current pay. Okay, and this is how many days away from home you're going to be expected to to spend, and this is how many days you spend away from home now. Like, and they're chalk and cheese. Like the the merchant navy on paper, it seems cool because the grass is always green on the other side, but they work longer, as in they're away longer and they get paid less. Why the fuck would you do that? Have you heard the rest of that expression or the counter expression of the grass is greener on the other side? No, send it. You know, if, if the grass is greener on the other side, what are your lawn, bro? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's what you want. Did so, you did you have to have any of those conversations? Oh, mate. No, no, no. Like, yeah, hang on. Calm down, Kiri. Did you, <laughs> did you have to have any of those conversations towards the end of your time? Yes. And then yeah. did you just sit there and go, bro, I'm getting out too, man? Like, yeah. or, or, well, or no. the whole thing's being recorded. So you've got to be, you got to, oh, man. You know, no, it's not recorded. Around. But like, I mean, I, I need to separate my sort of, my personal feelings and, you know, supporting the the sailor. So toward the end of my time, I was in a training position. I was uh, um, I was training ma junior maritime warfare officers in the basic principles of navigation. So I ended up subspecializing as an intermediate navigator. So like I, I was qualified to drive small boats as in navigate small boats, but not frigates. Sorry, um, what's a? I actually don't know what a frigate is. A frigate is warship. Well, you would think of a, as, a, okay. as a warship. So I could drive warships but smaller ones smaller vessels right. so patrol boats and i did navigate for a short period a patrol boat but yeah i um i was in a training position so i wasn't 
I didn't have sailors under me. I had junior officers under me. So not many of them wanted to get out because they'd been in for 10 years and they're ready to move on or, or work like work life balance. They were very much at the beginning of their careers are still under training. So that was less common. And yeah. Was it hard learning how to, to navigate considering you think the earth is flat? No, it's quite easy because <laughs> because if you think the Earth is flat, when you're looking at a at a chart on a table, it's the table's oh, it's flat exactly as well. Exactly how it is. As yeah, well. you just map to ground. It's oh, identical. Nice. Makes it easier. So easy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we kind of went. Nate Kieran doesn't think the Earth is flat, by the way. Uh, so we kind of went the no. But before we started recording, we we're talking conspiracy theories yeah, a little bit. Yeah. We we're talking a little bit about. The moon landing and how it never happened. No, yeah. we, didn't say, we didn't say that. <laughs> we didn't say that at all. So we went Navy bodybuilding back to Navy. Uh, so next, I think in the in the timeline was was videography. Yeah, because you were already doing in terms of what I you know I don't know everything that happened in your timeline, but from what I know of your major uh, milestones, if you will, yeah. of, of in in your timeline, you were already into videography before I met you. Yeah. And our first interaction was was jujitsu. Mm. So then, how did videography? Did you always have a passion for photography slash filming? No, no, not at all. So that that's actually quite a a weird one. How it ended up coming about, and I suppose it started, which may sound a little bit weird at first, but when I got my personal training qualifications. So when I was in the navy, well, before I joined the navy, I wanted to be. Like in the back of my mind, I thought it would always be cool to be a PT, a personal trainer, because, you know, you would have more knowledge about fitness and, you know, I was very interested in fitness. So my backup plan, if you will, if I didn't get into the Navy when I wanted to, like straight away, I was going to get my PT qualifications and then obviously reapply. But I got in, so I didn't do that. But whilst I was in, I thought, well, fuck it. Why not get my PT qualifications? So I actually got my, I was studying my PT qualifications whilst I was still under training in the Navy because I was, you know, in the later parts of my training, I was having an easy time with it. Like I didn't find it too difficult. So um, I was studying on the side as well. So I continued to, to study, get my PT qualifications and get uh, nutrition certified and all, all that good gear. But circling back, why that has anything to do with videography is I started a business who, which I no longer really operate under the, this business name so anymore. Your R- RTC Yeah, fitness. RTC Fitness. Yeah. It's funny you got that right the first time and Zach has known me since I started it and always fucks it up. <laughs> yeah, he calls it RCT or, or oh, up, up, You know up, what? I think the RKY reason I got whatever. it I think the reason I got it right is because whenever I email you, I type in I start typing your name and I get your uh, and you know Gmail gives me your RTC fitness uh, email, your ground nine productions email and your personal Gmail and I get, get all three of them pop up. So I always see it. Yeah. Right. There you go. And I'm not an idiot like Zach. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. It's I'm bagging, <laughs> I'm bagging on Zach, he's but he's a, he's a lovely dude. We've said, every, I think the first time or multiple times when he's gonna have him come on, up. Exactly. We've mentioned that we'll, we'll have him on the show at some stage. Yeah, yeah. The audience is probably dying to hear his, his bullshit. Anyway. Yeah. Only if he brings <laughs> his dog, he's yeah, well, gotta bring Lucy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Lucy will sit in front of the camera. What do you think? Lucy, <laughs> she probably could. she loves me. Lucy, I'm I'm Lucy's boyfriend. I've she never met me. Lucy. Zach has a a, a beautiful famous. German Shepherd. She's famous. What's the Instagram handle? Lucy Lucy Lane, the Queen of Balmain. Which he's gonna have to change that now because yeah, he's, he's moved, he's moved to, to Edgecliff. To, to so Edgecliff. Lucy Lane, the Queen of Edgecliff, doesn't have the same. No, it ring. doesn't. I think he just should change it to Lucy Lane. 
Needs famous GSD or something like that. Yeah, German yeah, Shepherd. But she's a beautiful German Shepherd. Yeah, um, we'll have her on the show. Actually, Zach doesn't even have to come. Yeah, we'll just bring Lucy. <laughs> just bring Lucy. Yeah. So you started a business, RTC yeah, Fitness. Yeah, started the business, and through that, like if if anyone has ever been in the fitness industry, they understand that the industry these days, particularly if you're an online personal trainer, which I was because I was in the Navy, I couldn't do face to face PT. I didn't have the time, so I had to run the business delivering online remote services like nutrition and fitness programs online and being an accountability coach, all that stuff. But I needed to run the business through social media. That is your bread and butter, social media. You're a marketer before you're a business owner in today's world, particularly in the fitness industry. So I, I started to slowly skill acquire in videography and social media content creation. And through that process of learning and practicing and and getting hands on the tools in videography, in in editing, in in some uh, photography work as well. I found that I actually enjoyed that vastly more than the personal training and the nutrition coaching. So it just kind of organically became it something organically, that yeah. you that you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And then I only started to take it seriously in terms of a a career when I partnered up with Zach and we started doing a lot of videography stuff together and a lot of opportunities would come up. Did Zach also just, you know, with zero connection to you happen to, to go down that path as well? So Zach, what got into it, Zach got into it before me by about a year or more, about a year and a half. Uh, he, he started get really getting into videography and photography when he got Lucy. So he, I mean, his origin story is actually published in like, you know, newspapers and things. He's had articles written on him. And what he says is was his inspiration behind filming and taking photos of Lucy. And I'm sure he'll come on and tell you this himself, but was that he met someone that told him that this person that he met had a German shepherd and regrets not taking more photos of his dog when it was a puppy. So he's like, okay, I'm going to learn from this guy's mistakes and I'm going to get a camera when I get the dog and take more photos of, of Lucy as a puppy. And he started uploading them. Lucy's um, presence exploded. He, he really, you know, narrowed down his skill set as well. So he started to develop his skill set. I developed my skill set through a different sort of niche, a different area. And then we, we both had this, you know, we're really good friends. We both had this really shared interest. So we decided to partner up and, and build these videography and- Which and is now Ground Nine Productions. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. Do you guys uh, both bring some, like- both bring something different to your no, partnership. No, I, I bring most. You bring most I of bring it. I bring most of everything. <laughs> and uh, Zach's just there for uh, – he's, he's like a soundboard to, right. to bounce ideas off. To bounce off ideas of. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. Is that true? What is <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well you know, uh, it depends what you mean by true. <laughs> but would – you know, for example, does, does Zach maybe uh, – have a bit more expertise yeah. in yes, still photography yes, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're a bit yeah. more editing or. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You've just nailed it. So I, Zach is the photographer. Uh, he obviously is a videographer as well. He, we, I think we're both, we're both fairly on the, on a similar level when it comes to videography, but Zach is head and shoulders above me in terms of photography. It's not really my interest photography in itself. I'm very much more interested in videography, um, which it might like for those listening that haven't really, done much of either may think well what's the difference but they are very very different the techniques are different the the equipment you need is different even the cameras can be very vastly different so i mean i've worked with with you guys with ground nine productions a a couple of times i've Mm. done a couple of recording sessions with you and i've been super happy with 
the video and the stills that have come out from it. Yeah. Uh, not all of it has been posted or published yet. It was content that we that we captured essentially as, as marketing content and due to the lockdown, I haven't really bothered releasing a lot of it, but some people can catch some of it on, on my Alliance Sydney BJJ Instagram. I know you've done some work for, for Bulletproof for BJJ. Yeah. Um, yep. Scramble. For Scramble as well. You yeah. did Technically for Jeremy Skinner's instructional. Yeah, when Scramble released like a, a belt, we um, like a, a new product, we, we did a shoot for that. And you had a lot of projects lined up that then unfortunately got, yeah. got put on the back burner due to the lockdown. But uh, man, I can say from my experience, I've been super happy working with Ground Nine and I think it's been a great business market for you, for you to, to start working because you're mm. incredibly good at it. Like honestly, you know, and I've spoken to lots of people or even just students whenever I do post a photo or a video that that ground night captured for me at the gym. They're like, man, oh my God, that, that looks so good. You know, uh, there's some little videos where I've taken snippets from videos and posted them and the camera work and the, the music that goes with it. I mean, really good. I've been super happy with it. So I'm actually really impressed with what you guys do. And oh, thanks, man. And I mean, and actually kind of piggybacking off that, I should give props to you for even this podcast wouldn't exist without you. I know I bring the goods. But yeah, <laughs> but you're the talent. Yeah, it's when, when we first had the conversation about, you know, hey, should we do a podcast together? It was a bit like that. You know, mm. I kind of said, actually, I've kind of got, not kind of, I have Jungle Brothers and you really to thank for this. I mean, Yes, I have my wife to thank for everything in my life. You know, she supports me through everything. But it was the fact that I was on the Jungle Brothers podcast a couple of times. I've been on it a few times. I did an episode um, not that long ago. But you would listen to some of my episodes or something and you said, man, you speak really well and you've got lots of good anecdotes. You should do a podcast. And that was just in conversation one day. And then it was a lot of time passed and the conversation came up again and I think I kind of said something like, oh, you know, I could do a podcast, but man, I really, you know, I don't know much about recording and uploading and I kind of don't really want to learn it either, you know, and then that kind of turned into the conversation of you're the one who said it. You're like, well, man, you're the talent and I can do the whatever <laughs> <laughs> and which I don't think's the case. Kieran's got plenty of talent. But that, you know, I have Jungle Brothers to thank for giving me the opportunity to be on their podcast mm. and then you for being able to do all this recording. You're the one who records the episodes and uploads them to, to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And not only that, you do some audio editing. We've had a lot of feedback about how how good our audio is and that's all you, right? Like I, I don't do any of that. You're the one who, who uh, I don't know, filters or edits the audio and – if you do listen to our podcast compared to some other podcasts, man, our audio is really good. <laughs> like the we are so much better than <laughs> no, all the podcasts. Nah. Yeah. No, but like <laughs> it is good, right? Like the, the audio is really clean, really nice. And yeah, I think without Jungle Brothers and without you, like I would have never, never done this really. Yeah, but I think that. And that's, those and then I'm so, and sorry, I got to that point by saying, you know, yeah, you're not an audio engineer, but it's all your work with videography and editing and software and, uh, you know, knowing how to use Adobe and uploading yeah. stuff. You've got your YouTube channel as well. So all, all that knowledge 
has allowed you to to set up a recording studio for us and mm. then edit that audio and upload it to Spotify and whatnot, all because of the work you do with Ground Nine. Yeah, that is true. That is definitely true. So, I mean, particularly when you're a business owner as well, you're not just because if you if, if you leave the Navy, it's it's pretty big step, and a lot of people leave the defense force and, and try and go into like a job. But when you leave and then create your own business, you have to do everything. So you have to like, if we have a project for someone, we have to do all the recording, the editing, the delivery, the, you know, every, absolutely everything, including audio. We don't outsource at this stage. We don't outsource anything. So yeah. I think it's through doing so many different, a diverse array of projects, like working with, um, you know, the YouTube, doing my own YouTube channel, working with a podcast that I've, I've worked on in the past or like doing. That's right. You did have a podcast yeah. in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And if you listen to that compared to this, you'll see the progression in, in my audio editing. <laughs> I've listened to some podcasts, man, that, are, you know, that have recorded, I don't know what they're recorded on, like a potato, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm the gear part, helps. part of me, part of me, doesn't want to rag on them because I don't know what their position is. Maybe it was someone who, you know, has no money or whatever, and, and all records they off their phone. Yeah, yeah, and all they have yeah. is their phone. But they're still, you know, that's a great thing about technology. Mm. A phone can be enough of a of a tool to allow you to step onto a platform like Spotify or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so as long as your content's good, content is king. However, we took a different route. I was, yeah. you know, we looked at a few options for for getting started, and obviously, we started at uh, difficult times mm. financially. So we had to make a choice, but mm. I was from the beginning of a belief where I thought, well, man, the product is audio. Yeah. So the audio has to be good. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I've listened to some other podcasts that are just so, so bad, you know, and you can tell, right? You listen to some generic podcasts and then you listen to, to Joe Rogan or a, which obviously level. Joe Rogan yeah. is as good as it gets, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. it's essentially a radio station quality, yeah. right? Super, super professional. And it makes a massive difference yeah. in, in your in the viewing your, or the listening the, experience, you yeah. should say. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And then from ground nine, you were already doing that. How finally getting to jujitsu. Yes. Briefly in some other episodes, we've, we've mentioned you, you joining Alliance, you had done a, a class before at a Gracie gym. But, yeah. Gracie but, Baja. Yeah. But because of still being in the Navy and I mm. think you got posted somewhere else or yeah, whatever. I was going at the time. Yeah. Right, so, so I couldn't, I couldn't make the commitment. Like I wasn't around enough. I was still under training and I actually did the trial with a bunch of Navy mates. Uh, I think there was three or four of us that went. Um, and yeah, none of us joined up because of, there was a couple of things. First, you know, we were pretty junior, so we weren't getting paid a lot. So the money was an issue. Uh, second, it, the money was an issue because we weren't going to be around. So yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It was like, okay, do we commit to this when we're not actually going to be here? But I loved it. I fucking loved it. The, I did two trials. They let me do two because I loved it that much. And I was, was like, the fact that when you came in and joined Alliance uh, and started training with me, was mm -hmm. that because you were still uh, buzzing or you still knew you liked it enough yeah. from those initial trials? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was still something I always through that whole period I wanted to pursue. I wanted to do. So BJJ. what, so then come, why you started training with me, obviously that just logistically made sense. Yep. My gym uh, is logistically the closest it to was, the, the it was base. literally along the my Watson's Bay yeah, base or yeah. whatever it's called. It was along my running track. I would right? run past your gym like 
I think three times a week when I do my, my little 5K loop, I'd run past, I'd like- You'd stop, a, breathe on the windows. Yeah, have a, have a cheek, cheeky little- <laughs> And I'll be like, move in. along, you stupid mouth yeah. breather. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you're doing technique. Sometimes I remember literally watching you guys run around in a circle. I remember- And you were like, I can do that. Yeah, I can, I can run in a circle, what the hell? Uh, yeah, what you do, you know, all sorts of stuff. I'd see different points of the, the classes, but I'd always see it. I knew it was there. I, I, I knew it was there for years because I'd driven past it even. Uh, so I knew it existed. And you're so, going to hate this, but the reason, the, the biggest thing that really put it into the forefront of my mind again was starting to listen to Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, I remember you've told me this. I'm not going to lie. It's because I started to listening. I started listening to Joe Rogan podcast With again. Eddie Bravo and they talked about yeah. doing LSD. No, no, no. But um, like I listened to Joe Rogan years and years ago, but I stopped listening to it for whatever reason. And then Zach, he started listening to it and he got me back onto it. Jiu-jitsu would come up a lot and Jocko Willink as well. I really love his uh, podcast, particularly having a military background. I, I can relate to a lot of what he's saying and uh, he is a massive proponent. He's probably more Jocko's influence than, than Joe Rogan's, but still both of those uh, very infamous, Was there famous something people. in particular they said or was it just the fact that they jiu-jitsu yeah. would come up? I think it and would just it, remind me of the original reason why I wanted to train jiu-jitsu way back when so, I did the trial of Gracie Baja. So what was the... So we didn't answer that. What was yeah. the original reason that you went into that that Gracie gym back yeah. in the day to try jujitsu for the first time? So the original reason was purely because I felt like I was. It's it's hard to sort of explain um, in a logical sort of sense without having like my internal monologue and emotion behind it. But it was the fact that I was walking around in in a world without knowing how to defend myself in any way, shape, or form. It was the fact that I was, yeah, I might've been a, a bigger guy because I was really into fitness, I did bodybuilding and everything. I had muscle, but I knew that when it came down to it, I had no fucking idea about what to do in any any situation. I didn't, and I'd been, I've been the in situations. The particular um, path you chose in the Navy, surely there's some uh, careers in the Navy that teach hand-to-hand combat and things no. like that. Not even like it. there is, there is, um, there is a course, but it's like a one week course. It's very, very what are you basic. Le- what are you it's learning never refreshed. In, what are you learning in one week? Exa- it's a one week course, and and it's a lot of it is like knives and and maybe they do some jujitsu. I've never done it. I've never had to do it. It's it's a requirement to do certain qualifications like boarding party. If you want to be on a boarding party, you need to do this this course like this self defense. It's actually run by our PTIs, and they're not black belts or anything. They they just teach the course. Yeah. Like yeah. and even they will say, look, you don't really get much out of it. It's a requirement that they teach you something, but like that. Just pull out your M4, bro. Exactly. Even <laughs> even honestly, even people in I I mean I haven't uh, spoken to them personally, but I have friends that. Um, you know, have connections with people in special forces, like the our defense force is quite small. And even people in two commando or like in the special forces will say, look, man, we don't know how to fight. Like they, they know how to, to kill with, with weapons. Like they, they are trained to operate weaponry. They're the amount of times they're going to have to have unarmed combat with someone. It's is so slim, it, right? It's like slim to none. And it only gets the, the chance of, of hand to hand combat without a weapon or hand-to-hand combat at all just gets slimmer and slimmer, right? Exactly, like as technology can, increases, yeah, improves. Those, the, the, the distance the drones can fly oh, and, and, and yeah, ICBMs, yeah. like yeah. it's not even 
almost needed. Like when but you, I, but I mean, when would someone into commando be in a situation where they don't have a rifle, they don't have a knife, they don't have any weapons at all, and then the person they're they're facing doesn't have any weapons at all, and they're fucking doing jujitsu? It's yeah. not it's not practical. <clears throat> jujitsu yeah. for for me was was more like being in environments of like um, you know around people that are drinking or or being in a position where someone could attack me, and I knew, <laughs> and you're like shit, left my Glock at home, exactly, <laughs> and this was heavily influenced and this is going to be a bit of a shout out if he's listening to a guy named Dwayne Shepard. Dwayne is a guy that I joined the Navy with and he was an ex-Muay Thai professional fighter and he had done a fair amount of jiu-jitsu as well. I think up until the level of maybe blue belt or something like that. Uh, but he would take on like two or three of the guys because under training, you all live together in like communal blocks and it gets very yeah, so, the lads. I mean, you're, like we yeah. get pretty lad with each other. A we, group of 20 year old yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, young dudes, we we fuck around, we, you know, wrestle and shit. And we always, rub a chicken yeah, in each other. Yeah, rub a chicken up the butt. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, we always, we always fuck around like, you know, a bit of, bit of rough play as, as uh, like young men do. And like he would just fuck us all up, like just demolish us, like just with basic jujitsu. Looking yeah, back yeah, on it, yeah. super super basic, like you know even white belt level. Are you like, calling him out now? Are you? Oh, I'm calling. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking calling him out, Dwayne Shepard. If you're listening, mate, and when you come back to Sydney, come to Lions. <laughs> Is he still in the Navy? Um, yes, he's still in the Navy. Uh, I don't. I don't want to give too much of his backstory around. Um, particularly as adding him out, but yeah, he's still in the Navy. Yeah. But he's really really awesome guy. Um, and he would just mess us all up, like you know, like rag dolls, right? Just with real basic jujitsu and the fact that he had a very, um, like he was a ex-professional fighter. So he knew what he was doing. And that to me highlighted the fact that I was about the same size as him, but the the level between us was just astronomical. And I'm, I'm talking an untrained person versus oh, like, just think white belt level or like yeah, yeah, yeah. experienced white belt. And that was a holy shit. I know nothing. I I I cannot defend myself. And I've been in like a couple of street scraps before. And just thinking back on those experiences, it could have gone way worse. I knew absolutely nothing. Did, like I didn't want to feel that way anymore. I didn't want to be confronted in those situations and not know how to handle myself. And jujitsu from the UFC just looks amazing. Um, like very, very effective, highly effective. I watched the first UFCs and saw how how crazy effective jiu-jitsu was i wasn't one of those spectators that watched ufc and it's like oh stand them up it's boring i was you know i didn't really know what was going on but it was very interesting it was very effective so yeah those are the biggest reasons and then i went with Dwayne to to gracie baja to do a trial um and it was quite funny he was like a, apparently untrained and he was doing like specific rolling with like yeah. some white belts or yeah. whatever he was fucking toweling them up. it was hilarious oh, so good yeah <laughs> so funny <laughs> they were they were not having it <laughs> And then I just want to then kind of sum it up in a similar fashion that we that we would with a guest on the show. What is what are you what's next? Oh, I hate saying like what's next for Kieran, but I mean, you know, you only recently left the navy. Um, you know, ground out of your current projects. You know, if you think ground nine jujitsu mm. and the podcast they've mm. kind of happened in that order so so jujitsu has been happening for about a year the podcast even newer than that mm. uh ground nine productions has been around for three. just over a year i think yeah oh as well okay yeah, so about eight well 80 months i i don't, man time's flying i think yeah. One uh, or two, i think it's been know. about 80 months i think i start of last year we started it so yeah so uh what are your overall goals what are your plans you know i know that from you and i speaking you you really want to 
train a lot and compete a lot. Mm. We've got to ignore COVID for a minute because that's definitely slowed everything down. But I know for those who don't know, right, because I'm kind of the only one who knows what your jiu-jitsu goals are, what what are you planning Man, in the I have coming one years. goal introduce you, and that's get a blue belt. That's <laughs> <laughs> no. and then if you go back and listen to why people quit jujitsu, <laughs> shortly we'll be no, addressing so why do, Karen quit jujitsu. <laughs> I do want to like another reason why I um, not, f- ignoring the first reason why I went to do the trial initially, like four years ago, three years ago, whatever. I think it was about four years ago now. But ignoring all that, the the reason that I started jujitsu, like formally those reasons plus that I wanted to pursue a sport. I wanted to be an athlete because I've I've done bodybuilding and yeah, I mean, you are an athlete to a sense, but you're not really doing an active sport. It's not something you can do every weekend. You know what I mean? You do, you know, a couple of shows back to back and then you go on off season because it's very taxing on your body, um, like hormonally and everything involved in, in cutting weight. So I really wanted to, to pursue a sport and I always want to do jujitsu, so the stars align there, and it's perfect. So I really want to try and see how far I can compete. I'm starting jujitsu very late in life, like I started when I was 25. So yeah, it's, I started about the same. Yeah. I mean, it's just the unfortunate nature of a sport that grows. Yeah, you know, 20 years ago, you could start jujitsu in your mid 20s and go on to become one of the best black belts in the world. Not but the sport is just ex- the best black belts are oh, my age or yeah, younger. Yeah, man, the 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 up and coming black belts are you know probably one of the newest ones is Mika Galvao mm. who got his black belt below the IBJJF age. Uh, was he like which 16 or 17? 17, 17, I think he yeah. got it. You know, so you, I was the same. Even when I started over a decade ago, I started jiu-jitsu in my mid-20s. And when I started, I really wanted to to go on and become a world champion. That was my goal. Uh, but you, got, when I, you, did, you did make it to the Worlds though. I never went to the Worlds, unfortunately. I, I won. I won Worlds, sele- right? Oh, yeah, I've been to the Masters Worlds. I won selective... Uh, competitions that flew me to fight the Pan Ams and stuff. But, yeah, I never went to the Worlds. It was a bit financially difficult for me living Mm. out of Brazil. Uh, Amongst other things, I had multiple surgeries and whatever. Mm. But even when I started, you know, in my mid-20s, the current black belt world champions were in their mid-20s as well. I remember thinking, okay, I'm a white belt and I'm yeah. 25 and the current black belt world champion is yeah. 24 or whatever it was. Well, Gordon was Ryan like, and I are the same age. So like, right. There yeah. You go. Yeah. But still yeah. you want to, you want to yeah. see how far you can go. I want to see. Compete. Yeah. I want to, I want to see how far I think uh, as we were talking uh, many, doesn't many mean times, you can't achieve great things. Yeah, in of jiu-jitsu. course, of course. But as, as we were, as we were talking, uh, I think at that, I really want to take a, take it for a run at blue belt. I want to see, because realistically, I, I can expect to be like three or four years of blue belt. So I want to really see where I can go in, in that belt and purple belt, of course. But, you know, by the time I get to, to purple belt or brown belt, I'd be like around that master's level. So still still the same, but I really want to see where I can go in jiu-jitsu in a comp- competitive scene. See if I, first of all, see if I can do it. See if I, you know, have what it takes, air quotes, um, and see if I enjoy it. But I really want to harness like what I know about fitness, what I know about mobility, what I know about nutrition and put it toward an actual sport and see what what comes of that. Kieran, Blue Belt Worlds 2022. <laughs> <laughs> More like 2024. <laughs> yeah, whenever we can yeah. get on a plane again. That's it. 
Nice, bro. Well, I actually enjoyed learning a bit about a bit more about your history. Some of the stuff I already knew, but honestly, I well, I had to cut it off earlier on. I could have just sat here and about gone. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just find a lot of that that stuff interesting. You know, uh, guess it's people are interested in you and hearing your story, but maybe beyond jujitsu, we could call this episode. Beyond Navy, I don't know. <laughs> Beyond Kieran Lefebvre? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode's going to get like 10, 10 listens. <laughs> no, honestly, well, obviously. They're going to be are, like my mom, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I know every time I speak to my mom, shout out to my mom. She's like, I'm really enjoying your episode. Oh, I'm that's like, great. All right, mom. Yeah. Um, my mom's actually, my mom's a legend. My, I mentioned before she, she's got chronic rheumatoid arthritis. And speaking about sports and achieving goals, my mom, pushes through that and does uh, endurance horse riding. It's oh, where they It's where they ride for like 160 kilometres and it'll take place over a weekend and they'll start a race at like two in the morning. Think like ultra running, like Jeez, ultra marathon running, but on horses. Sorry, that's not easy, I should say. Yeah, su- super hard. Yeah. Um, and, and if you think her, the most majority of her rheumatoid is in her hands. So imagine holding onto wow. the reins for those who don't know the, the, the ropes that you hold onto on a horse that are connected to the, the bridle, the bit in the horse's mouth that you pull on, they're called the reins, right? Imagine holding onto the reins of a horse for hours and hours when you've got chronic rheumatoid arthritis in your hands, you know, yeah. but I think it's, you know, it's, she's super, super driven and loves it so much. And I feel I'll kind of maybe be like that with jujitsu. I'll get to the, the point in my life where- Rocking a coral belt and you're still <laughs> on the mats. <laughs> no, but you know, I might walk in the gym with a walking stick. I mm. struggle to get up out of the chair, but once you're on the mats and yeah. like you're doing it and you're rolling, it, it seems like you have no ailments. Yeah, you know? it's hitting on my platter and bloody on a 20 year uh, I'll be there next week. That'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, nice bro. But obviously we're going to hear more about what you do, what you've done just in banter throughout the episodes. So I'll look forward to hearing more about it. Next episode though, we're talking, going back to to solely jujitsu and we're talking a bit more about how you should choose your training partners, you know, uh, in the gym, what's a good training partner or a bad training partner, how do you drill and, and, and things like that because sometimes people actively avoid certain people yes. in the gym. Yep. Right, and I can talk about that. Yeah, so we'll <laughs> we'll be talking about that next episode. Kieran, give us the outro plug. So, if you enjoyed this show, please follow us on Spotify or your streaming platform of choice. I would I would go as far to say just follow us, even if you didn't enjoy it. Yep, just follow <laughs> us. <laughs> but if you've listened to an hour and fourteen minutes and you haven't enjoyed it, I worry for your mental health and your life choices. However, I do want to do a big shout out. We do have a Patreon page now established. You can find that by jumping over to Patreon, the website, uh, .com and searching in Beyond Jiu-Jitsu. If you're not aware what Patreon is, it's just a site that enables people to support creators or content creators just like us 
and just show support so we can continue producing these episodes and, and do what we do. So if you want to go that extra mile and show a bit of support and shout Adam a coffee or, or get me a haircut, then... <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you, why, yeah, Kieran needs a haircut. That's, that's why, why I'm wearing a beanie. For anyone who's, <laughs> for anyone who's watching the recorded episode, uh, right, the video recorded episode, yeah, Kieran's rocking a beanie because his hair is so atrocious. So shout me a haircut <laughs> over at our Patreon. Yeah, it's also, you can also find a link on our in our Instagram bio. Yes, or jump over to our Instagram at beyondjujitsu underscore podcast and click the link tree there. And that's where you can find our Patreon and all of our goodies over there. On our Patreon, we are going to be doing some Ask Me Anythings, Ask a Black Belt and some live Q&As and, and probably maybe, I, I mean, nudes? I haven't- Some nudes we do. Maybe, maybe some We're schlong, doing some dong, dong shots. <laughs> uh, and I haven't run this by Adam yet, but I'm going to do it live on air. Um, we'll maybe uh, in the future, depending on, on um, what people want to see on our Patreon, we'll be doing some live jujitsu actual technique stuff over there. Perhaps. Yeah, why not? We can do that. There you go. You've heard it here first. <laughs> Just agreed live on air. But yeah, so check out all of our socials, support the show, show some love, and thanks for listening. Until next time. See you later. later.